Amen. Well, greetings also from my family to yours, from Lifeway Church to yours. If you travel um, east, uh, west, sorry, I've lost my bearings already. I don't even know where I am. If you travel west 30 minutes, you'll run into a little town called Lebanon. Anybody here of Lebanon, Pennsylvania? (laughs) Lebanon, if you, and um, we have a church there called Lifeway Church, where I've been pastoring now for six years. This is my first gig as a full-time pastor. Um, I was in the production world as a production manager for 18 years, and anyway, for the last six years, we've been building, uh, we've been building the kingdom here in Lebanon County, and so greetings from Lifeway Church to yours. We, we love what God's doing, but we're excited what God's doing over here in Berks County as well. Amen, somebody? Well, are we good tech guys? Should I just keep going? All right, all right. I keep thinking I'm doing something wrong or I put this uh, gadget on wrong or something like that. Well, it's an honor, Ray, to be with you today and blessings to you and your wife, Nancy, and in this church. So, well, I don't know about you, but in the culture that I was raised in, I was taught to go to church, but I was not taught to be the church. All right, I was taught a lot of things to do outwardly that would be so-called religious or Christian, but I wasn't necessarily taught much about inner transformation or becoming someone new. Come on, are you following this morning? There is a difference, religion versus relationship, amen? And so you can go to a place, you know, you can, you can participate in a lot of great activities in the culture or even in Christendom, even in the, in the kingdom, but not necessarily become something new. Are you following? And so when I got legit saved and came to the Lord and realized that I personally needed a relationship with Jesus Christ at the age of 19, things started happening to me on a different level whereby I started to become something new, not just go to a place on a Sunday morning or participate in a religious activity. It's like I became the church. And I want to dive into this morning, I've entitled my message um, New Creation, but I, I thought about calling it alien species, but I thought that might be a little bit too far out. I don't know, no, how, how you guys think. But didn't, didn't Paul say, or actually, no, I think it was Peter who, who referred, like I feel, some of your translations will say, I feel like a foreigner or a stranger in some translations use the word alien in my own country, things, things like that. Um, but I think it's worth uh, looking at why we might be feeling that way and who we're called to be this morning. We're not always who we think we are, amen? I wanna start with Matthew 16, 18, um, where Jesus is talking back to Peter because Peter said, you are the Christ, you are the son of the living God. And he said, I tell you, you're Peter and on this rock, I'm gonna build my church, meaning on this revelation, not on Peter. He didn't build a church on Peter. The church is built on Jesus Christ. But he said, on this rock, on this revelation that I am the Christ, the son of the living God, I'm gonna build a church. I'm gonna build my church. And the gates of hell should not prevail against it. Now, I wanna take, take a look at this Greek word for the church. It's called ekklesia. I'm not necessarily a Greek scholar. I, I know enough to be a little dangerous. And I might even pronounce Greek wrongly, but I like studying what it some words actually mean, 
And it means the called out ones. This word was used to indicate in the Roman times a civil body of elected officials that were coming to town and a special meeting going on, but only those invited were those especially elected, right? And a special group of people were called ecclesia. And so that word wasn't used much except when Jesus said, I'm going to build a church. He used the word ecclesia, something new and specially elected people that's new and different. I'm building a new people group is basically what he was saying. And let's, I would like to investigate that with you a little bit this morning and saying, who's this new people group that Jesus was about to build? And, and so Jesus was here for 30 plus years, right? And so the last few years he went about building this thing and he says in Luke 24, 49, and behold, now he's going back to, to the Father. He's done with his ministry here on earth in physical form. He's going back to the Father, and he says to his disciples, the ones he's leaving behind, and behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. Somebody say power. power. You're clothed with power from on high, and now this new people group that Jesus is building, he's saying you're going to be clothed with something new. So tire with me a bit, and then we read in Acts 2, 1 to 4, and here's the experience when the day of Pentecost had come, and I know you've heard this passage, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them tongues of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Somebody say filled. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them Utterance, and as we read a story about 3,000 souls were saved that day after, after Peter preached. Can you imagine, imagine not only seeing 3,000 people saved, but also baptized um, that day? Wouldn't that be a revival? So the first mega church was born, amen, somebody. <laughs> and, uh, and this new people group was birthed, and most scholars would, would agree that that's when the church was birthed, amen. This new thing that Jesus said, I'm about to create this ecclesia, this church body of believers was born that day. And now we're suddenly reading different types of scripture um, as we go on from Acts and scriptures that explain a little more in depth about this new people group, you and I, come on, that, that were birthed that day. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9, for example, Paul explains, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom, you've, whom you have from God. And, and then also, I, I believe it was Paul who also wrote Hebrews in 13.5, and he said uh, things like, I will never leave you or forsake you, and he's quoting the Holy Spirit, Christ Jesus as well. And then he also says in Acts 2.38, Peter said to them, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and listen, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I like Colossians 1.27. I'm just going to run through these because it's describing something new that Jesus birthed, a new, this new people group. Colossians 1.27, to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. And Paul says, which is Christ in me, the hope of glory, in me. Christ is now in me. The hope of glory. How about 1 Corinthians? This is my favorite one this morning. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. I'm now dressed to preach. I'm actually more accustomed to this. Actually, I do wear a headset sometimes, but sometimes back at Lifeway, I say, give me the handheld. 
I don't know why, it just says some, something about it just makes me more Pentecostal. You okay with that? <laughs> Thank you, Ray. Appreciate it. Thanks, tech guys. I do believe that was all on me. Something seemed to not be adjusted properly. 1 Corinthians 6.17, shall we go forward? Yes. He who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. I'm going to read that again. 1 Corinthians, Paul explains, he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Now, now who is this new people group? It's a person that has, has now accepted Jesus Christ and legit almost like a marriage took place in their spirit where the Holy Spirit comes and he says, there's a follower of Jesus. There's a transformation that takes place. I am now the Lord and saving their soul. I am now joined with them in spirit and the two have become one. Man, I think, I think one of the biggest if I could call out a sin in Christendom, if I could call, not you, but if I could call out a sin in, in so-called followers of Jesus Christ across the globe, it's the ignorance or the unawareness or the lack of teaching that this actual transformation has happened within a person. Maybe, so what we end up with is you're just a person with an experience as opposed to you're a new person in Christ Jesus. Amen. There is a difference. He who was joined to the Lord is now married, basically, has become one with him. And so I, I, I can tell you what it's like. This transformation happens when you say yes to Jesus Christ. But we can and we can choose to ignore this reality. Come on. It actually is possible. Just like when I was newly married. And this is, I confess some of my sins before you today. Like when I was newly married, I was climbing the corporate ladder and very, very busy with my career. And, you know, with the idea of promotions in front of me and all this. And I could be so busy with my career and the busyness of life that I forgot sometimes, almost forgot, not really, but didn't pay enough attention to this new bride that was now living in my house. And I almost was like going through days and going through weeks going, you know, almost like pay no attention to what just happened. I'm newly married and someone is living in my house and I can almost pay no attention because I'm so busy and so distracted. Have, do we pay attention to this one that is now living in your house? How he does it, Paul calls it a mystery, but he's living inside of you and me. Amen, somebody? I don't know how he does it. I don't know how my cell phone works, but I still use it. I can't tell you how the technology works. I can't tell you how the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and I, but I like it, and I love it, and I want more of it. Okay. <clears throat> There's a song from the 70s or 80s. All right. Something new was created. Now, listen that did not exist before on the face of the earth. We have to know this. It's not just people with a new experience. It's actually a new kind of person was created. You would think that this ecclesia was like, I'm going to create a new people group that are elected into a certain office or something like that. He actually went ahead and created a new kind of people altogether. Did you know? Pause. Like, did you know that the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in these scriptures that we just read did not exist in the Old Testament? People had legit experiences with the move of God, with the glory of God, even with the Holy Spirit. He would come live for a while, dwell for a while. But did you know that King David prayed something like, please don't take your Holy Spirit from me? Why? Because that is how the Holy Spirit was. He would come, and he would go. He would come, he would go. He might stay for a while, he would come, and, it, and it, he legit could be, okay, I'm done with you, Saul, for example, kind of done with you now, done with your kingdom, 
I'm up and out of here, moving on. But now we're in a new era. And now the Holy Spirit says, you are my dwelling place. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Okay? So the Old Testament stories, just be careful what you pray. And, and now, and now, somebody say, and now. Yeah. We're classified and called new creations in Christ Jesus. And Paul goes further, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... Those, those that got married, those who have a new spirit now within them, they become something new. He is a new creation. And the old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Now, we have to pause here again. We have to pause again and say, what is a new creation? Let's go back to the Greek just for a moment. And again, I'll try to do this justice, but it's pretty simple. It's called kainos ketesis. New kainos ketesis is creation. It's the same word that's used to describe in Greek when it's talking about the creation of the earth way back in Genesis, although that was a different language, but nevertheless, that same word is used in the New Testament. But the word ketesis is defined as actually create. But when you, when you, separate and and look a little deeper at the word create it means something new it also means prototype which we're kind of uh, you know familiar possibly with that uh, i have the first of the something made that's why everyone's lining up for a whole mile to get the new iphone they want the first one made right right but you're actually sort of a prototype jesus was the was the first of many brothers right but here here here's what it here's what it also means it's not even a stretch to say their new creation is actually a new species. It's actually not a stretch. And it's also say, there's actually a new creation. You are actually a new kind of human. In the Old Testament, people did follow God to the best of their ability. In the New Testament, there's something compelling them. But then they are endowed with power, endued with power from on high. They are now something happened inside something in their spirit and jesus like i didn't just create a person with a new experience and now they go to a new place now they meet a different way and try to talk differently i actually went about creating a new kind of human that's now walking around with power within them affecting their soul and affecting their body amen somebody it's not just a prototype so you and I are not the same person with a new experience. We're actually a new kind of human being. You're not the same as your unbelieving friend or neighbor. <laughs> you're actually very, very different, and you're supposed to be. Oh, come on. We've spent the last couple decades in the church, broad brush, church strokes, when I preach like this, okay? I'm indicting myself because I am <laughs> leading a church. I'm not talking to you specifically, Grace Church. We spent the last couple of decades trying so hard to be relevant and, 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 and relate to the world in such a way that's not offensive. And I agree with all of that. <laughs> it's better than being irrelevant, right? We don't want irrelevant ministry. But it's caused us so much to look at our neighbors and look at our unsaved family and friends and go, I'm just like you. I just, you know, I'm just forgiven. Or I'm just, I struggle with the same things you do. It just so happens that, you know, I have a church body praying for me and I know that my salvation, things like that. And all those could be, could be true. The church, the, the world, come on, the world doesn't need more of the same. They actually need something distinctly different if we're to offer any hope for the world. Did Jesus become like anyone so that they would become followers 
Did Jesus become a prostitute so prostitutes would fall at his feet? Did Jesus become a tax collector? Come on, somebody. Am I preaching to the wrong people? What's relevant? Actually, what the world needs is something distinctly different. And so Jesus said, I'm creating a new kind. I'm actually creating a new kind of human, a species made to carry my glory. And when they say yes to Jesus Christ, the lordship of Jesus Christ, something happens with them. Did you know? Did you know that sharks and dolphins swim in the same ocean, but they are not the same? Yeah. Sharks, you know, sharks and dolphins look relatively similar, at least from a distance. I know we were at, we were at the ocean a few years ago, and uh, we jumped out of the water because we saw fins or we saw movement out there. And I went, I don't, I, you know, I'm not so familiar. I don't know what that is. And later on, someone says, that's dolphins, that's dolphins. Don't worry, you can go back in the water. But I'm like, yeah, just to be safe, I'm out of here. I don't want to lose an arm and a leg. It was kind of scary, but um, I do believe it was dolphins, but they can look de- uh, relatively the same. You know, sharks are egg-laying fish with a deadly ability to sniff out blood in the water while dolphins are, are considered mammals. You know, they don't, they don't lay eggs. <laughs> they have babies, uh, baby fish. And, and they navigate by making clicking sounds and then listening for their echoes. They're distinctly different beings. Just because you and I swim in the same ocean as the world, come on, just, we're, we're in the world, but not of the world, okay? Does that make sense? Just because you're, you're swimming in the same ocean doesn't make you the same. You are distinctly different and have a different name. You're a different species. Amen, somebody? Did you know? We're playing a game, did you know? Did you know that the Disney movie called Jungle Book, with remember that boy called, I think it was Mowgli, who was raised by wolves? You ever, you ever see that one? Cutest, cutest kid's movie ever, all right? Um, but anyway, um, did you know that that may not actually be fictional? Did you ever hear that? That There's actually true stories. There's actually a few stories about uh, supposedly anyway. I say supposedly. Like kids being raised by wild animals. But many many believe that that story was taken from this person called Rod- Rodriguez. He was born in Spain. And his story is that he was abandoned as a child of seven in 1953. And he's left to fend for himself. Alone in the wild for 12 years as he tells it. Man, imagine a kid. 12 years lost in the, in, the, in the big dark woods, and he was raised by wolves. So his story goes, and the wolves protected, and they sheltered him. And with no one to talk to, he lost the use of language, and then he began to bark and to chirp and to screech and to howl like a wolf. Because <laughs> he thought he was a wolf, right? I didn't know until recently that that was actually taken from a supposed true story. Now, I can't prove it because I wasn't there. I wasn't born. I wasn't around in 1953. I'm just saying that might have been taken from a true story. Grace Church, why am I saying that? Because you're called to help resolve. We, you and I are called to help resolve a major identity crisis in the church. We don't always know who we are, amen? And so, so lest we forget who we are, we start to bark and to chirp and to howl like the world we live in. And we forget that we're new creatures and we're not the same. And we're not supposed to be the same. That it's okay to be distinctly different, distinctly godlike. And because of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ resident within me, it's okay for me. And it's not arrogant and conceited to say, I am called to be distinctly different than the world around me. 
Now, God help us to be relevant and not to, not to snub our nose at our dear neighbors that are unsaved or our family members. Like we pray for them and we still have relevant ministry and we still love them like crazy and love them into the kingdom and all that kind of stuff, right? I'm not saying separate yourself and come out from among them, all this guy. You know, I'm not saying like don't be in the world, right? We we're called to be in the world, but we've got to know who we are if we're going to make a difference. Lest we forget, lest we forget. You're not a wolf, you're a sheep. Amen. Amen, somebody? You're a follower of Jesus Christ. And it's okay to say, I'm an answer. I'm not part of the problem in the world because I'm not like everyone else around me. I actually am part of the solution. I have Jesus Christ. How many minutes do I have? 11? Three minutes? She said three minutes. I better wrap this up. Okay. Three signs. I have three signs for you. Still good, Bray? We have three signs that you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Let's go here, guys. Three signs. There's, there's, there's hundreds of signs, but I just want to give you three. So as you go through your week, you can meditate on these things. Three signs that you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Number one, when you're a new creation in Christ, you're convicted of sin. Sin means missing the mark. Here's God's design. Sin means I'm not living up to that design. That's what sin means. And so we've all missed the mark. We've all sinned and missed the mark, right? But the difference between a follower of Jesus, someone who's become a new creation versus someone who is not is follower, legit followers of Jesus get convicted of that sin and say, ooh, I am missing the mark. I want to make adjustment by the grace of God given to me, by the power that's now resident within me, help me to hit the mark. Amen. Second Corinthians 7, 9 to 10, Paul writes again, as it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieving into repenting. For you felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. And worldly grief is called condemnation, like Romans 8, 1, where Paul says, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I, I've learned to call it, is this my, I like this phrase, I call it the sweet conviction of the Holy Spirit that you live with and are drawn into when you're legit a new creation. It's not that you suddenly become perfect, but there's this sweet conviction that should attend a new believer in Christ Jesus, whereby you go, whoa, I feel that what I'm doing here doesn't feel right, doesn't feel like God's perfect design. Help me adjust. I repent. By the word repentance, come on, you've heard this, I'm sure, means to change your mind and think differently about these things. But it includes godly grief. Amen, somebody? Man, I don't know about you, and I don't know about your culture, because it's just an hour, maybe, maybe 30 to 45 minutes that way. But I've been spending a lot of time with folks, adjusting and adjusting and adjusting, just to convince them not to make friends with their demons. And we've learned to do this super well, even in the church. This is who I am. You should like all of me, including all of my sin issues. I do love you where you're at. So does Jesus, for example. But he loves you so much that he doesn't want us to stay the same. He's making us into his image. Come on, doesn't that sound more scriptural? I think it does. Man, when I was saved with the Holy Spirit and filled with the Holy Spirit, I was convicted and convicted of so many things. 
one after the next. And some of them were from preaching, but some of them were just internal, coming from a place within like, I should stop using the F word in every sentence. It just doesn't sound right anymore. (laughs) I really don't need to be addicted to alcohol or tobacco. And I distinctly remember uh, lighting up a cigarette one morning on my way to work after I got saved, I was filled with the Holy Spirit, and suddenly, and I had this habit for three, four years already, suddenly for the first time I'm looking at this tobacco, and I'm talking about addiction now, do you hear me? I'm looking at it, and I feel the intense power of the Holy Spirit going, it's not you, it's not who you are. Where Where does this come from? It comes from within. Holy Spirit's messing with my brain, giving me new thoughts. Come on, somebody. Helping me to think like Christ. Number two, when you're a new creation in Christ, you hear God's voice. John 10, 27, one of my favorite verses again. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Man, I love that verse because it's just sort of matter of fact. Not like I wish they heard my voice. I just, oh my goodness, they might now and then hear a bit of what I, no, my sheep hear my voice and they know and I know them and they follow me. I'm telling you, the indwelling person of the Holy Spirit starts to affect your soul, which is your mind, your will, and emotions, and it quickens your mortal body. Now I'm going back to King James. It quickens your mortal body. I like that because it uses the word quicken. We should reinstitute that word in our everyday language. I don't use that word much anymore, but it quickens your body and it changes you from the inside out. And his job, when he first moves on inside of you, again, the mystery of Christ within you, the hope of glory, starts to mess with our stinking thinking so that we can now, for the first time in your life, start to think the thoughts of Christ Jesus. And it leads, and it guides, and it directs you, and it convicts you. And one of the first things I heard when I was in one of the first church services, for real, when I came back to Jesus at age 19, I'm sitting there, worship was amazing, the preaching, I don't remember much of it, because all I could hear in my head was, forgive your father, forgive your mother, forgive your father, forgive your mother, forgive your, I was like, okay, is there someone like saying this behind me, you know, just messing with my brain, is it, but it was like I was hearing my own message while the preacher was trying to preach his message, you know. And I had some work to do. I had a ter- man. My teenage years were terrible. I treated my dad so horribly. But quite frankly, it was a two-way street, right? We just didn't get along very well. And I had some work to do to get rid of bitterness, anger, and unforgiveness. And it took three years. I'm not telling you. It, it took three years. Come on, let's not make it sound like it's miraculous every time. But three years was a miracle. After three years, my dad and I had a wonderful breakfast get together and by the time he passed away um, God rest his soul we had a very uh, I would say very uh, friendly civil father-son relationship but it took three years of the Holy Spirit convicting me the sweet conviction of the Holy Spirit would go forgive love forgive love it was like a broken record inside my head that didn't exist before he lived in there amen amen I don't even know why I told that story. Probably because some of you need to hear it today. Number three, when you're a new creation in Christ, you see through God's eyes. And this is my last point, Romans 4, 17. It's talking about the God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they already did. And we need to see with eyes of faith and see see the possibility 
of a hopeless situation. And Jesus lived like this. He said in John 5, 19, he's like, most assuredly I say to you, I, the son can do nothing by himself, but what he sees, somebody say sees. sees. He sees the father doing. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. And in Hebrews eleven six, 6, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. And I'm, I'm just convinced after I study scripture and then let scripture interpret scripture, I'm convinced that when Jesus came upon the beggar and the cripple and the various sicknesses and diseases, listen, he could see with his mind's eye. If you want to call it a sanctified imagination, I'm, I'm okay with that as well. But he could see with his eyes of faith as if the person was already healed. And when he said, rise up and walk, he could already see that person, that man, dancing and worshiping into the temple. Remember the story? He could already see because he was full of 100% complete faith. I meant, can you see things that are not as though they already are? And I have to work at this because I can be a pessimist. How about you? Anybody want to be bold and say that could be? No, yeah, one of you. I, I, uh, three of you? Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, we'll, we'll meet afterwards for a cup of coffee. No. <clears throat> so I need to surround myself with faith-filled Christians. Listen, God doesn't see hopeless situations. He, he only knows that there's people filled with hopelessness. And so when we are a new creation in Christ, we can look at a circumstance and look at a situation and with faith in God and with the power now resident in me by the Holy Spirit, I can say that is not hopeless because there is nothing too great for God. Come on, somebody. Am I preaching to the right people? You no longer see hopeless situations, just people without hope. Man, if I had access to your local TV station, this is what I would get on there today yet, and I would say this. If they would dare to film me, I would, I would send them a warning probably right out to this local region right here around Shillington and maybe the greater Reading area. I would say there's an alien invasion happening <laughs> on Monday morning. Yeah. That's what I would tell them. And, and then I would say your businesses, your homes, and your communities really should be on high alert. And then I would say there is a new species of human about to invade your space. <laughs> Watch for supernatural phenomenon with these so-called followers of Jesus Christ is what they're calling themselves. They're, sometimes there's sicknesses and all kinds of sicknesses are being healed and addictions are broken and some of them even claim to cast out demons. I, I, we've seen marriages and relationships healed and there's even true repentance from sin because of this new alien species invading this territory. And these people will affect your workplace, so be warned. They will also affect your personal life if you're not careful. This so-called power of the Holy Spirit that they carry, this ability to connect with heaven, these aliens are not afraid to use it. More and more people seem to be joining this new species of human as it seems to be very contagious. Especially manifesting with things like love, joy, peace, even kindness. <laughs> this is your local news for Sunday, April 3rd. Signing off, good night, and be warned. <laughs> Something like that is what I would say. <clears throat>
You want to stand with me this morning? I love you so much. You're a great audience. Get into receiving mode. I have a scripture that I just want to declare over you. And it's like identity of who you are in Christ Jesus. Get it. Whatever receiving mode means to you. But this is what I declare over you as who you are. First Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen race. A royal priesthood. You're a holy nation and a people for his own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. All God's people said, amen. amen. Man, the first step to becoming a new creation is in, in Christ Jesus is to acknowledge your need for a savior. Come on, somebody. To turn from your sin, to declare the lordship of Jesus, to receive his forgiveness. Romans 10, 9 says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It really is that simple. Can we just do an all eyes closed for just a moment? And what we do here at Lifeway, back at Lifeway, is we, this just gives people personal space to respond. It simply, it simply allows you to just think about where you are and not the neighbor or the person in the seat next to you. If that is you today saying, I really need to launch this personal relationship with Jesus Christ and declare him Lord, I'm not sure I've ever done that. I want to be declared a new creation in Christ. All eyes closed for a moment. If that's you, would you just raise your hand boldly in this place so I can pray with you? I see you, sister, brother, brother, brother. Sister, I love you. That's awesome. I'm so proud of you this morning. You are so bold. Thank you so much. You can put your hands down. That's fantastic. You are now becoming a new creation in Christ Jesus. In a moment, I'm simply going to pray with you guys. Maybe you're here today. There's one more person I want to pray for. Maybe you're here today and you realize that you're living with a crisis of identity. You've maybe forgotten who you are. Maybe you are a, 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 a supernaturally natural human in Christ Jesus, but you've said, hmm, I've acted and felt like more of like a wolf because I'm raised by wolves. You're ever here today and you realize you're in that place and you want, you, you hear the truth preached, but maybe you spent too much time ignoring the inner voice of the Holy Spirit. You no longer see yourself as a new creation. Would you boldly raise your hand so we can just pray with you this morning as well, if that's you. You want to be renewed. I see you, brother. That's wonderful. Sister, love you. That's wonderful. Let's all pray together. Do we, can we do that? This is how we do it at Lifeway, so I don't know another way. What I do is I say a prayer, and then you all, if you're in faith to do it, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do, but just pray it back, and we all agree that way in prayer with the people that just said yes to Jesus, but with those agreeing to just a resurgence again of dedicating their lives to the Lord in new creation. Let's all pray together. <clears throat> say, Lord Jesus. I confess my sins and I ask you to forgive me. I accept you as my Savior and my Lord. Thank you for the finished work of the cross. Holy Spirit, I believe that you have come and you're living within me right now. Lead me and guide me into all truth. I confess and I declare that I am a new creation in Christ Jesus, my Lord. And all God's beautiful people said, amen. Thank you. It's been a joy being with you. I'm going to turn it back over to Pastor Ray.
preventative service. So, love you very much. Bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you, Vern. Great word, reminding us of who we are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Praise God. All right. If you are here for your very first time today, as you're leaving, we want to ask you to, before you exit the sanctuary doors in the back there, if you make a left, we have an environment back there to welcome you, to greet you, call it Connection Center. We have love to have an opportunity to say hello to you and introduce ourselves to you. And so uh, you consider yourselves to be blessed. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of the week. And again, Vernon, thank you for coming up to the greater Berks County area and sharing your heart with us this morning. We appreciate it. Praise God. Vernon is my second, my second oldest sister, Edna. You're, you're the oldest, right? You're the third one. My goodness, Catherine's the Okay. <laughs> He's one of a hundred and some nieces and nephews that I have, so you have to, you have to forgive me. So it's, it's a very, very large family, but anyway. So praise God. We love you all. Have a great, great rest of the day. We will see you next Sunday morning. God bless.